Welcome back to Ever Ancient, Ever New, the podcast in which we seek to plumb the depths of beauty in the Catholic faith. I'm Father Kyle Kowalsik. I'm here with Jeremy Darling. We're Yo. out of St. Maximilian Colby in Delano. We're sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. And I think this is, you know, I've been told that we we hit a lot of um, kind of difficult topics, Jeremy. Um, really? Yeah. And and that's it's it's good. Like I, I mean, hopefully we're we're finding a new angle or a new look or presenting in a way that you haven't heard before. I mean, I think that's kind of our, our goal. And I think yeah. today is, is one of those that I think we're quick to dismiss. And that's, and we've been talking about, we've been talking about salvation, once saved, always saved. And um, you know, how this, how this works. And today we wanted to talk about a, a doctrine that I think, uh, either gets a bad rap or gets sorely confused or uh, just gets completely ignored. Yep. And that is extra ecclesiae nulla salus, right? Yep. No salvation outside of the church. No salvation outside of the church. What, um, what do you think the most Catholics when they hear that think? (laughs) <laughs> like most most average your average catholic what's your average catholic think when he hears hey outside of the catholic church there's no salvation uh that protestants are all going to hell and maybe is your average kind of understanding of that doctrine yeah i think i think that because we live in such a pluralistic equality sort of society that i think most catholics are probably put off by that. Yeah. I think maybe maybe a hundred years ago, there's a little bit more Catholic pride. And they're like, yeah, we're in the true church and you're in the fake church and we're going to heaven and you're not. You know, <laughs> I think maybe there's a little bit more of that. I think today it's probably a lot more like, ooh, that's 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 really audacious of us. You know, like I, we really want to go around telling people that that's you know just yep. I, I think there's i think there's probably embarrassment yes yeah i certainly i've certainly experienced that in some conversations and this was a hard one for me to reconcile i remember having a conversation with my little brother around this because he came into the church before i did and he was at the time sort of my guide as i just had questions not really doubts but more um more questions <clears throat> so we we had interesting conversations at the time around this and i think he had a pretty what i would what i would say t- right now is a pretty accurate understanding of it but obviously it, it this conversation was way different i would say 600 years ago than mm. it was 400 years ago and of course in between all of that was was the reformation and I, I've had to reconcile some things because even I, I've been told by, asked maybe or uh, accused by certain Protestants in my life of thinking they're going to hell because they're not Catholic, even if maybe they didn't have this understanding of the doctrine. Certainly those that, that uh, in sort of the Calvinist strand that think they understand Trent or maybe have read pieces of Trent, but not all of it, you know, like to focus, hyper-focus on that passage and the topic of anathema always comes up 
you'll have some Protestants who are never Catholic, but are particularly anti-Catholic that will say, well, I'm anathema according to that doctrine. And my answer has always been, you can't be anathema because you've never been Catholic. Right. <laughs> I hate to steal your anathema badge, but um, you can only be anathema if you once believed that doctrine, then you rejected the doctrine. Just like if I was in your Calvinist church and I once embraced the Calvinist doctrine and then I rejected it wholesale and none of you guys convinced me otherwise, eventually you'd have to anathemize me. Um, so you're not anathema. If you don't go around, the Catholic church doesn't go around anathemizing all Protestant churches. That's not what that doctrine means, which is, of course, why we're having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, and like in light of, in light of, I mean, I think it, it's, it's one of those conundrums again, right? We say like, okay, so ah, I'm uncomfortable with outside of the church. There's no salvation because what about all my non-Catholic friends? But then on the other, if, so, so if I want to say like, but they can probably be saved too, then I'm, I'm actually denigrating the Catholic church. I'm actually denigrating all of Christianity and everything that Jesus said. Again, we get back to our conversation last week. If salvation is really easy, then it's not much of a gift. Correct. Jesus didn't really, Jesus died on the cross for for, for what? Like, yeah, you know, we could have gotten to heaven without Jesus dying on the cross, but that was kind of nice that he did that. I mean, yeah. probably hurt yeah. a lot. And you follow that, you follow that logic to its natural end. And it really, that's exactly what you're doing. Why would God have chosen that path of salvation if in the end it was just going to be pray a prayer and you're done? Why would Jesus have had to have been tortured and crucified so brutally? for such an easy path to salvation. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so the way that, so I think this is a crucial question. Um, now, what if, if as a Catholic or as a Protestant, one thinks that this means automatically is like, okay, if I'm not visibly part of the corporate visible Catholic church, then I am going to hell. And that's actually not what the church teaches. Right? That's, that's not what that means. And there have been people who have gotten in trouble for holding too tightly to that interpretation of it. Right. You know, so we can go back. You mentioned Trent. So right after the Protestant Reformation. Uh, well, what's the situation immediately after the Protestant Reformation? Lots of people leaving the Catholic Church. Right. So they were Catholic. They grew up Catholic. For hundreds and hundreds of years, everybody in Europe was Catholic. Yeah. So they don't have like, well, I don't know about, you know, it's, it's like, no, you were Catholic and now you're, you're making a decision to leave. So you're, you're claiming, and, and you know, it, even that's complicated. So I'm not damning all the Catholics who left the church in right. the Protestant Reformation. Uh, it, it, there's a lot that goes into that. <laughs> you know, I don't, yes. <laughs> right. But that's a totally different context than the one that we find ourselves in now, which right. is for the last 500 years, you know, how many generations of your family was, was Protestant? Oh, man. I mean, I can go back at least three. Right. That I know for sure were. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, so we got some Ireland in my, gene in my genetics. I'm guessing the Irish side was probably Catholic for a while, but who knows? Maybe. I know, the, I know the three preceding me were. Right. Right. So you have you have hundreds of years, hundreds of, you know, many generations of 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 people who 
grew up in a Protestant church and a Protestant background, Protestant understanding, but still learning to know and love Jesus and the scriptures and all that, right? Golly, this is so, <laughs> it's so, it's so, there's so much I'm trying to figure out how to, uh, so here's 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 like one of the when we're talking like we've said this before like we're always holding things together that feel like they don't want to fit yes yeah so what's the catholic church teach about protestant baptism that when you game it that it's valid yes if, if it's if the words you know if the words are correct if they do the right thing it's the right thing yeah so when you got when you came to the church, you did not have to get rebaptized. No, I did not. That should tell us so much. It should, it right? Really should. Because there's there's only one baptism, right? And when you were baptized, you were baptized into whom? Into well, into Christ, I guess, into, and into His mystical body. Exactly, and that is you know. So if we get hung up on the word Catholic Church, like that's what that means. You know, I'm baptized into the body of Christ, which is the church, which is the universal instrument of salvation. And so if my baptism and your baptism are totally equal, yep. I was baptized as a baby into the Catholic church. You were baptized as an eight-year-old. As an eight-year-old into, you know, Protestant world. Yep. Same baptism. Yep. My baptism wasn't like more potent than yours. Right. My baptism wasn't holier than yours. It didn't have more grace than yours. It was the exact same baptism. Equal efficaciousness. So here's the, you know, we've talked about this. If if people haven't listened to our, our episode on infant baptism, uh, babies who die before baptism, those sorts of things. These are all these, all these conversations are intertwined. So, so if, Let's say, um, uh, let, let's say, let's say you were, you were baptized as an eight-year-old and then you died the next day. I mean, where would you, where would you go? I would go to heaven. hundred percent, hundred percent. I would be like totally confident if, if a Protestant friend of mine came to me and said, Hey, we baptized our infant baby yesterday and he died or two years ago and he, he died like, Oh, your baby's in heaven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, and that's, I mean, that goes back to our conversation on, on what baptism is and, and babies right. who die before, before the use of reason, before the ability to sin, they have the, they have one, it's the same baptism. They have all the sanctifying grace that God has for them. They're in the body of Christ. That baby would go to heaven. Right. So now let's say you die when you're 15 years old. Well, now, now we start getting into more sin and <laughs> right. so, reason so, and consent right. and all of these things. So, and then, but what's, what's required for, what's required for mortal sin? Consent and knowledge that what you're doing is a mortal sin. Right. And so there's where it gets, it gets gray. Like, well, does, you know, this 15 year old boy know that such and such is a mortal sin. There's, there's certain sins that we would say, yes. Everybody knows that this is a serious offense to God, and um, murder. I think would would fall under that. <laughs> right. Yeah. A couple for sure. 
yeah, if you know you're fornicating or getting drunk or, I mean, these are things that like, yeah, you know, you know that this is a serious, serious thing. Yep. So, so that, so, so do we mean then that the Protestant who grows up in the state of grace, and then at some point they fall into mortal sin and because they don't have confession, now they're damned. Now it's game over. Well, no, no. <laughs> Why not? Not technically. My understanding is there has to be certainly with, I would say with murder or, or some things, but here's where it gets dicey to me and where I started having my initial questions was there, the, the parable where Jesus talks about the three servants, one that knew his master was away for a while hmm, and to, yeah, beat, yeah. Um, and to beat the servants and do all these things. The master came back at an unknown hour and threw him into the fire. But then it, Jesus jumps to these other servants, one that knew the will of the Lord, but didn't act in according to that will, got right. a severe punishment, but he wasn't thrown into hell. And then the third servant didn't know what he was doing was wrong and got a lesser punishment. A lighter beating, yeah. A lighter beating, right? <laughs> still got a beating. You still got a beating. <laughs> Very interesting passage. Um, but what I've also said is, and pornography to me is a really good example of this. I believe the devil has specifically used pornography to steal souls of, of men, mm-hmm. Christian men, not of course, any, any man, any woman in general, but specifically Christian men who believe that repeated habitual use, or even what I would say, non-habitual use every couple of weeks for years on end, which, which technically has no real world repercussions, to be honest with you. Like you, you can have a, a sort of, quasi-closet drinking habit for a long time without any real repercussions to your life and pornography even more so not everybody becomes compulsively addicted to pornography but you can have these regular regular sort of semi-habitual uses of it and think that you're still going to heaven without any real contrition and with repeated use and i just think that's baloney yeah so i mean mean, so i think what what we're what i would say in in this like so yeah, so somebody starts getting into porn. Like I think it's hard to make an argument that somebody gets into this without some like except for little kids. I mean, obviously you can get in introduced to this by accident, you know, but like as an adult, like, yeah, I just I just feel like doing this. I know that this is not good on any level and this is offensive to the Lord. But so the question though is like, is a when a Protestant falls in a mortal sin, pick your mortal sin, is he now damned because he doesn't have confession? Yes, that's the question. <laughs> right. So, and we've talked about this before too. There, there are, there is a possibility. There are, the church teaches that even for a Catholic, it's possible to come back into the state of grace without sacramental confession, right? A perfect act of contrition, which, or a perfect act of charity, which for, for a Catholic who knows that confession is the normal way of that has to be included. Otherwise there's, there's pride there, right? right. Like, I'm going to be perfectly contrite, but I'm not going to go to the priest. Like, right. well, that's not perfect contrition, actually. You've proven Correct. It. But a Protestant who doesn't have recourse to that or doesn't know that uh, isn't isn't bound by the same, you know, uh, you say bound by the same uh, epistemological yes. <laughs> binding that the, the Catholic is. He doesn't know. He's not bound to what he doesn't know. Correct. So he could come. So so he's still not he's still not damned, necessarily. 
He might be, right. <laughs> not necessarily. Right. Um, then you have the the possibility that um, so, so here's here's one that people like you can you can commit a grave sin of disbelief, hmm. right? That's yeah. that we're like the church teaches certain things that we have to believe. They're not optional. We have to believe them, and um, I, I'd say that the main one being the the papacy, right? So this is this is the one where you say like, okay, well, you know, does is the Protestant who doesn't believe in the papacy, doesn't believe in the Eucharist, doesn't believe in the perpetual virginity, all things that are required belief, um, are they going to hell because they don't believe those things? If you or I if you or I disbelieved those things, this is what would happen. If I started preaching, yeah, Jesus is not truly present in the Eucharist. I'd get a call from my bishop and he'd say, uh, okay, you're, um, you're preaching something that is erroneous and false and you need to stop immediately or you will be excommunicated. Yeah. And at that point, is that, that's the point, the moment of truth. Yes. If I say, you know what, Bishop? Screw you. I'm smarter than you, and I have this thing figured out. I'm excommunicated. I've committed, I've committed a sin of the intellect, of disbelief. I've separated myself from the Catholic Church at that moment. Yeah, that's the that's the moment of embracing a heresy. Right. Yeah, it's it's I'm obstinate in my denial. It wasn't just an honest mistake, but I'm obstinate. Now, the other option is I say, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry, Bishop. I did not, I didn't realize that. Um, oh, thanks for catching me. Thanks for calling me on that. I will, I will recant and make sure that my people understand the truth, right? Then mm. still, still clear. So the Protestant, uh, the Protestant who is, who is holding on to something that's false, uh, a priest friend of mine said, uh, the Protestant church in his town, he saw the, the sermon by the pastor and they were doing their communion service, which they do quarterly or whatever. And he said, you know, on the night that Jesus died, he took bread and he said to his apostles, this symbolizes my body. <laughs> and you're like, I, we were like, that's, that's not, not what Jesus said. No, that's not what he not. said. He said, this is my son. But, but he's, he doesn't, he's not bound to, well, he is bound to the truth. But he doesn't know that that's the truth. So if my friend says to him, hey, you're out of line. That's not true. That's not what Jesus taught. This is not what the Catholic Church teaches. He might say, look, I don't, I don't agree with you on these things. I don't understand these things. Right. Um, you're, you, can't, you can't tell me that. Um, so it's, it's unclear at that point. Is he being obstinate in his denial right. or not? Now, if Correct. there's something that's just purely scriptural, like I think it would be hard for a Protestant to make the argument, and many, many do, that um, you know, Jesus is okay with uh intentional homosexual acts. Right. Oh, well, that's Jesus all never over talked about it. Yeah. That, that's all over the Bible, New Testament, <laughs> Old Testament. Yeah. So so if, to be to, to reprimand somebody scripturally and say like no you can't you can't teach that and like I'll teach what I like there's there's pride there I would say in those situations somebody's separated themselves now they've committed an act of so if the whole time they've been in the state of grace of their baptism and then at that point they've separate now they've separated themselves but yes. those good meaning you know Baptists Lutheran Presbyterians who are just trying to trying to love the Lord. Uh, they're, 
they, they could still be in that state of grace, which is the state of being in the body of Christ, which is the church. Right. Is it the, the visible, obvious, uh, what we call Catholic church? They go to the Catholic parish. No, but there's, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Right. And we had that conversation on what the church is a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. This, and this is where we get our, our phrase separated brethren. Right. And I've, I've taken, you know, brothers to this, this part of the catechism of the Catholic church and said, first of all, you shouldn't teach other people what the Catholic church teaches. If you're not Catholic, you just shouldn't. That should, that should be obvious. Secondly, it says right here in our catechism, we call you a separated brethren. We don't call you anathema. We don't call you excommunicated. We call you, uh, we don't call you a pagan. We call you a separated brethren. And here's why. And then I go through the conversation that, that we just have. It is interesting because we're, I don't know who said this, but we're scripture is silent. The church speaks. Hmm. And that, that becomes to me that you just highlighted perfectly that line of where I can, if I can rebuke someone through scripture, like, no, Jesus is the son of God. You can't say he's not the son of God. And he says it right here. Right. And he was there at the beginning. He's the son of God. He's part of the Trinity. You can't deny it. If I can use scripture to get someone to that point. Great. But where there are, parts of scripture that are silent and the church has spoken such as the perpetual virginity of Mary. I believe it's clear in scripture, but it doesn't literally say, and Mary never had any other children. Right. 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 So that's where I think we, we have an interesting line. If I can bring someone to the truth using scripture for something that's clearly in scripture, Jesus died and was resurrected. You can't say he didn't resurrect. You can't say that and still claim to be a Christian because it's right here in the Bible. Uh, but on things like the papacy and other things, that's where I feel like um, grace is not the right word. There is um, there is space here for Protestants in that, that there's just things they don't know, things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. That's why I became Catholic, because it was sort of completing all of the gaps and filling in the things that I didn't know. And I didn't have a moment because my brother and I had this, com- we had this exact conversation, Father, on that brief Kind of for for a Protestant coming into the church, you're briefly standing on a precipice of, oh my gosh, have I been saved? <laughs> mm. Oh wow! <laughs> and we all have that. We all have that when you come into the church. You all have that moment, and it's probably different for everybody. I, I, w- I would say I only flirted with it. It was never like a stressful moment of prayer of like, Lord, have I not been following you? I, I can say with confidence that from the time I was a child, and this is partly because I was raised by such incredible God-fearing parents, that from the time I was a child, the time I became Catholic, I never flirted or dabbled with walking away from the faith. I was resolute, and there was fruit in my life, along with a lot of sin mm-hmm. and a lot of um, intellectual gaps. Okay. But from the time I was a child to the time I became Catholic, there was one steady, firm uh, direction of walking with Christ and walking towards heaven. 
So I didn't have a moment of like, oh my gosh, was I saved that whole time or not? I probably would have if um, I had come from maybe the Mormon church mm-hmm. right? or is it a, a Jehovah's Witness or what I would say denominations or sects, that maybe is a better word, sects of Christianity that are clearly heretical in terms of teaching things like supremely contrary to obvious scripture. Now, you have have Protestants to say that about Catholics. Well, look, you guys teach this. The Bible clearly says the opposite. And then we get into interpretation of scripture. And I think we've probably already covered that. I won't won't go down that road. But what I mean to say is, for me, this was. uh, I'm not complete. I'm in heaven. So I'm completing my journey as a Christian in the Catholic church. Yeah. I I can say that for a lot of people that I've I've met. And I I think that. You know, to to be to be clear, um, not all Catholics go to heaven. Yes. Right? So what is it? It's it's not saying that all all Catholics go to heaven. It's and it's not saying all non-Catholics go to hell. But it's making it's making a statement of you know there's one there's one way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and His body, which is the church. It's hard to know who belongs to the church. I might, I might be a priest. I'm up in front. I look holy, but I'm in, I'm in mortal sin. I'm actually cut off from the body. I'm not, I'm not in the body. I'm not on the way to salvation right now. Right. Um, I might be a very pious, uh, piously practicing Presbyterian. And I, I just, I just don't know. I haven't, I don't have the, I don't have the intellectual capability to like dive into scripture or history. And there's like, there's so much and the, the, the devil's confused things so much that, uh, we, we don't know, but that, that also doesn't mean that I just let all my Protestant friends stay, stay Protestants. Correct. It's not that that's Correct. like an equal way to, to heaven. Correct. You know, they, they could still be in the state of grace, but that's the whole, that's the whole point. If, if I'm in, if I'm in uh, mortal sin, I know that when the church, when the priest says, I absolve you, then I'm absolved. Yes. Like it's a Amen. sure sign of grace. And, and again, we've said this before, if, if I know that this is for sure, and I'm not sure about that one, I would be foolish. I, I, had, I had an example, like if you, if you know that one of those cars out in the street has a bomb in it, um, you know that one of them doesn't have a bomb in it. And you know that, and, and the other one, you're like, well, I'm not sure about that one. I mean, that might that might have a bomb in it. So like the first one, like I, I hit the ignition, boom. The the second one, I hit the ignition, I drive off. I'm good. The third one, not sure. Nobody, I like to be sure. <laughs> nobody would get into the first one, but nobody would also get into the third one. That would be foolish. Like, <laughs> we, like if you didn't have the if you didn't have the uh, the second one, if you didn't have the one that you're sure about, then okay, I'm going to take my chances. But with surety, you go with surety. That's just, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's, yeah. To me, it's the narrow road. I, the analogy I've, I've used that makes sense is if I'm on the narrow road and I've got a couple of people with me and I see some that are on the narrow road, but they're walking backwards blindfolded uh-huh. <laughs> or they're, they're sort of shimming their way there on their stomachs mm, yeah. with their mouth open, swallowing gravel. I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I mean, I'm glad you're going in the same direction, but there's a much better way to do this. <laughs> that's that's gonna that's gonna really get you where you're going without 
without potentially like, you know, rubbing all the skin off of your arms there or tripping a whole lot, right? Just take the blindfold off and turn around. Like, oh, and that was what it was for me becoming Catholic. It was like, oh, this is, ironically, it is the harder way to the degree of like what the standard that we're trying to live up to, the holy living. It is the harder way, but with the sacraments, it's actually the easier way. And therein lies the paradox yeah, and the tension yeah. of being, oh, yeah. of being oh. Catholic. So that's that's how I've looked at it for my separated brethren is ones that I believe this person loved Jesus Christ, proclaims him as the son of God, and is trying very hard to walk on that narrow road. Yeah, I don't I'm not going to go out of my way. And this was a big concern for a lot of people when I came into the Catholic Church that I was just going to tell everybody to become Catholic. I'm not doing that. I have no intention of doing that. Yeah, but I love having those conversations. Yeah, and I love having this conversation. And I think we need to continue this conversation next time because. I I had pulled up Vatican II documents and I wanted to go into that. And I think there's just so much more. We probably muddied the waters in this one more than <laughs> solved anything. But like Great. one of the one of the things that Vatican II says, whosoever therefore knowing that the Catholic Church was made necessary by Christ would refuse to enter or to remain in it cannot be saved. That's yeah. actually there's a lot packed in there and there's more that follows. And I think we need to dive into that. To be continued. <laughs> So until then. At Catholic Order of Foresters, we're committed to bringing Catholic values to life and financially protecting Catholic families right here in Minnesota. Our members enjoy benefits like scholarship eligibility and peace of mind knowing their family is secure, even if something happens to them. Each year, thousands join us to support people in need through our Feeding God's Children events, spirituality tap-ins, and mission trips. Wouldn't you love to be a part of an organization that embodies your Catholic values? Find out how you can be a part of Catholic Order of Foresters by calling General Agent Brian Marketon at 763-658-4009. That's Brian at 763-658-4009.